welcome to the Travel Coach Network podcast, your weekly dose of travel coach info, inspo, and news from around the globe. Tune in to each episode to hear inspiring stories of successful travel coaches who are building their lives and business around travel, all while exploring around the world. You'll also learn all about travel coaching, setting intentions for a trip, adding meaning to travel, and how you can grow your own travel coaching business. Because remember, there is more to a travel career than just blogging and bookings. Now, join me as we reshape how and why people travel. Before we get to today's episode, we have a quick, small ask for you. In a moment, could you pause this episode, go to your favorite podcast player, and leave a review for this podcast? Even if you leave five stars and no words, we so appreciate that effort. When you leave reviews for podcasts, that helps them get discovered by the right people. So that means a future aspiring travel coach could discover this podcast because of your review. We so, so appreciate you taking the time to do that. We'll give you a second to pause this episode and do that now if you can. You back? Okay, great. Let's get on with the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Travel Coach Network podcast. It is I, Sahara Rose DeBoer, the founder of the Travel Coach Network and the creator and instructor of the Travel Coach Certification Program. I have a really lovely guest today. Her name is Julie. Bitten by the solo travel bug at a young age, Julie became a full-time nomad in 2020 when she sold her house and 98% of her belongings to travel 24-7. Since then, her nomadic life has taken her across 50 states and to Mexico. In almost every country in Western and Eastern Europe. Julie has visited 31 countries and counting to date and typically spends 10 to 11 months of the year outside of the U.S. She loves to share her experiences and perspectives on her blog and social media, showing others that a life with more travel is both fulfilling and attainable. She also loves to share her travel experience and destination experience with clients, bringing their hashtag travel inspo to life and creating immersive and life-changing moments that they'll never forget. Julie, thank you so much for joining us on the TCN podcast today. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really excited for this conversation. Wonderful. I'm so happy to have you. Well, first, tell us more about yourself and where did your passion for travel even stem from? I have kind of looked at this from a, was it taught to you? Was it nurtured or is it nature? In my particular case, I think this was just born within me. My parents took me to Disney World, you know, to uh, on family vacations and things, but we didn't really go out of the country. We didn't really go anywhere far. We didn't do anything that uncomfortable. So I really had to kind of find that on my own. I first left the country when I was 17. I traveled to Mexico. That was a humanitarian trip. And then since then, I've tried to find ways to incorporate more and more travel into my life because it is so transformative and life-changing. Then a few years ago, I decided, okay, this is the life I want to lead. I want to be full-time nomadic. I want to travel full-time and I want to always have these experiences because they're really shaping me. And that's what I did. So I think it's been an evolution, been something that I've really been passionate about, a life that I chose. I'm really fortunate to be here. I love that. Is there a trip or an experience in particular that you feel had made the biggest impact or the most transformation on you? Yes, it was the trip I took in 2017. This was really brought on by the fact I was laid off from a dream job. And I was one of those people that once you graduated college, you don't get to take a break. That's when you get to work. And so I didn't get to do the gap year that a lot of people did or the study abroad that a lot of people did because I was really kind of 
encouraged to jump right into the workforce and make money and live the standard American life and do all the things you're supposed to do in the order you're supposed to do it. So I really deferred the trips and the destinations that I really wanted to explore. I did go on some long trips. I did try to squeeze them in every few years, but it wasn't until 2017 and I was laid off and I was sort of given a severance package and said, gosh, that job burned me out. It was super stressful, even though I loved it. I really need to take time for myself. I ended up booking a one-way ticket to Madrid and just said, I'm going to hop around Europe for the next month. And I'm just going to see where this journey takes me and what I learned. And I was living out of a backpack. I was doing my own laundry. I was really trying to travel on a budget, couch surfing, and just meeting incredible people. And I think the biggest takeaway from that trip is, hey, I don't need a lot. I don't need a lot to be happy. And also my life doesn't have to look the way that I thought it was supposed to look. And so when I got back from that trip, I was like, okay, things are going to change. I have a mission. I'm going to make my dream come true. And I started working at it. And that really sort of propelled me to the decision I made and where I am today. First, what do you think it was about travel? Like, this is very common. People quit the nine to five to travel. People want to quit the nine to five to travel. It's like a tagline we hear, quit the corporate job to travel the world. Many high-end executives, high-paying jobs, people, they quit their jobs to travel. For you, what do you think it was that made you want to turn to travel? There's so many other things once you got laid off that you could be spending your time doing. What was it about travel that you gravitated towards? Yeah, I mean, I could have jumped, tried to find another job and and out of desperation for, oh, I got to pay the bills or I understand that urge that we all are sort of handed is, wait a second, you need money, you need a job, you need to do the things you're supposed to do. But I knew I had to sort of focus on myself and I had been chasing these things that weren't fulfilling me. I had been burning myself out. My health was suffering. I did do some other things. You know, I took five months before I found another job. So I kind of fell into some hobbies that I had been neglecting, things that I loved. Like I joined a choir. I did a lot of like uh, long distance hikes. I spent a lot of time with my dog, just taking her to the dog park and being outdoors with her. And I was uh, visiting family, but I had neglected this part of myself, this, this desire and longing for international travel and for just learning and curiosity and experiencing new things. I had neglected that when I was chasing the American dream. I thought long and hard. I was actually worried, like, I don't know if that's responsible for me to go and spend more money on a trip, use up my severance package. I don't know if that's really smart. I don't have another job lined up, but I just really kind of sat back and thought, I don't know when I'm going to have this opportunity again. Who has that much time in between jobs? Who gets a several month long severance package? I thought, this is my opportunity. I'm young, I'm healthy. I don't want to wait until retirement when future is not guaranteed. Let me take this dream trip now. You can make more money, but you can't make more time. It was kind of funny because I thought, yeah, I'm not going to have this opportunity again. I better take it. And look at me now. This is the life that I'm living. You know, I just spent four months in Europe last year. You have to take the opportunities when they come to you and you can't let the fear take control and take over your life. You said after you returned from that first trip that you did right after a year, you got laid off from your one-way ticket to Madrid, you came home and you had this newfound mission. What was that mission? 
living out of a backpack really made me analyze a lot of my choices. I think spending down my, my emergency fund made me analyze a lot of my choices. I looked around at my house and I thought of all the things that I had in there. I looked around in my closet. I looked in my cupboards and I said, why do I have so much? Why have I spent tens of thousands of dollars on a wardrobe and furniture and all these kitchen utensils when I could only wear one outfit at a time. I can only use one purse at a time. When why do I have all of this? Faced with the understanding that you can survive and thrive on much less, like people in a lot of other countries do day to day, not just travelers. Faced with sort of the choices, my spending choices that I made, I thought this could have been a lot of trips, you know? All of these things that I bought really could have gone towards going on amazing trips and providing me a little more financial security so that I'm not like desperate to get another job again and feeling the pinch and afraid that I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. So when I returned, I thought, okay, I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to save as much as I can, invest as much as I can, be as smart about money as I can, stop spending extraneously, cut down my subscriptions, just be very careful and intentional with you know, now that I've had gotten a job, be very careful and intentional about my spending choices because I knew like, I want to travel. I can't do that unless I have secured some financial freedom for myself, picked up some side hustles. I was renting out my house, all of these things and worked for four and a half years. So much so that I got to a point that I'm like, Hey, I've stashed away something. I feel comfortable. I can quit my job. I can really enjoy all the places I'm traveling to. And instead of having to sit at a computer doing a remote job. So that's what I did. And now it's been a year and a half since I've had full-time employment. And it's it was the best decision I ever made. I resonate with you on so many of those levels. I did the same thing. People always ask me, how did I afford to travel to 84 countries on my own without ever going broke or running out of money? I too, I hustled my butt off when I was in university still full-time in school, working five jobs, and over the summer trying to just do anything that also I was interested in, but made help me make money. And I gave myself that cushion financially to be able to travel. You changed your money mindset. That's something that I want a lot of people to know that, of course, you can create the lifestyle that you want, the dream life, business, everything that you want, but it's up to you to do that. You have to be aware of your behaviors and what got you to where you are now and what needs to be changed and put time and effort into changing that too. Had you had not mm-hmm. come back with this realization of this new mission you have to create this lifestyle you have, who knows where you would be now, you know, working for a corporate job, climbing the ladder and not feeling as fulfilled as you probably do now with all, all of your travels. Some people might look at people like us and be like, oh, you know, they're so privileged and they must have got lucky. And and like it took sacrifice. It didn't. And change did not happen overnight. Like there was a lot of things I said no to a lot of things that other people looked at me and said, what? You're going to do that? That's crazy. Why would you do that? And like, because it it saves me money, you know, it's about prioritization. If you look in the mirror and, and you say, I want a house full of things and I want to have all these outfits and I want to feel like I've made it and have my possessions dictate that, showcase that. Well, that is what you've prioritized and don't feel ashamed of that. That's perfectly fine. But if you look in the mirror and say, I want to travel, well, then you have to make choices that set you off in that direction. And that means a trade-off to something else. You know, life is all about trade-offs. 
Yeah. And that same perspective can be applied to the business world as well, too. You can continue to work for someone else or be unhappy in whatever um, opportunities that come your way, uh, the daily uh, routine that you have, daily schedule. I knew for myself that I never wanted someone to tell me when I could go on a vacation, how long I can go on a vacation, because that all happened. I worked in the restaurant industry. I worked for other jobs before, and they said, nope, can't take time off. We need you. What? <laughs> I don't want to do that. I want to be able to go to, to Europe. I want to do what I want to do. I knew that moving forward, that wasn't what I wanted for my lifestyle. So that same philosophy in creating your own dream travel lifestyle is the same thing with your business. So what inspired you to do what you do in your own travel coaching business today? Part of it was a little bit out of necessity of like, okay, well, my money's not going to last forever. So I have to, you know, think about what my next steps are. And it has to be doing something that I'm passionate about that aligns with my interests. That is, it's not going to feel like work, you know, that's something that I'm going to enjoy. What does that look like? What, what is that? Travel coaching really just seemed to align with where I am. It's what I do with my blog. What I do with my blog is to inspire and empower and educate people how to travel, how to travel better, where to travel, how long to travel. These are all things that I've learned along the way. And I didn't necessarily have all this information available to me when I took that trip in 2017. And that's really why I wanted to launch my blog is to share my perspectives and my expertise Naturally, there's people who are like, awesome, I love your blog, but I want to talk to you because I have specific concerns. I have specific questions. I want to know how to how many days to spend in each city in Switzerland. They have questions like that. So yes, you can read my blog, you can read tons of blogs, but you're going to get differing information. So I think it's up to that person to say, I want to talk to somebody I can trust that I feel like maybe our personalities are a match or she she's you know, experienced enough of the world or enough of this country that I really, really value her input. And then together we put our heads together and then, you know, we figure out the best itinerary or the best plan for, you know, this trip or another trip or whatever. That's really fulfilling to me because I've gone ahead a few steps of, you know, others, and there's plenty of insight that I can share. The next iteration of what I was doing with my blog Travel coaching just seems sort of like the next natural fit. Yeah. So what does the session look like with you? I know there's a lot of travel coaches and travel experts listening and travelers, of course, listening to this podcast episode today, but they're like, well, what is, what does that look like? How do you actually put that into play when you're helping someone, when you're working with a client? So do you, can you give an example of what a session will look like working with you or how do you help your clients? Really kind of starts with what the client's needs are. Some come with like, I want to do this trip to, for example, Greece. I want to take my family or I want to take my husband or whatever. I want to go to Greece, but I'm overwhelmed because there's a million islands. And then how do I get from one island to the other? And then how many days should I stay on each island? And which island like suited is suited to my personality is going to make everybody in my family happy. So sometimes people come with a plan and then I sit down with them like, okay, well, I've been to these seven islands and I can explain each of them to you. And if there's one that's like, okay, actually we're more like that. We don't really like the Mykonos party scene. So we want something a little more like a little more subdued than maybe Naxos, you know, like, so we talk about these things. We look at the map, we, we find the right itinerary, how many days, the ferries, whatever, and help map out their day-to-day, give them the confidence to self-book to feel like they're informed, to get excited about their trip, hold them accountable and say like, okay, you better book these things because we're getting close. Other clients might come with just like, 
I want to start traveling, but I don't really know how or where or when. And sometimes it's like a therapy session, you know, sometimes someone just wants to like talk about their plan, hear it reflected back to them, maybe point out, oh, what about that? Or what about that? And, and I think, yes, logistics is such a big part of travel and, and a super important part of travel, but also there's an emotional aspect. These are oftentimes places or trips or, or activities that people have never done before that they're very new to. And they just want to have a little bit of handholding to sort of like, okay, all right. So that's, that sounds easier than I thought. Okay. Well, you know, I could, I could do that. And, and it's a little therapeutic at times. So I think it really runs the gamut. And I just allow my clients to sort of get on the phone with me and, and hear them out and see, you know, what maybe their pain points are or what they want to address. And then, you know, we tackle whatever we can in that first session and then have more sessions until the client feels confident and feels like they're ready for their trip. And then hopefully when it comes to their next trip or anything down the line, then they reach out to me again. I love that. Yeah. There's so many different ways that you can structure how you help your client, who it is that you help as well. Do you have a particular type of person? Is it just someone who either has no idea where they want to go or how to get started with travel um, and or someone like you mentioned who is planning a trip, but they really need help with all the details. Um, is that who you tend to see be your common client? I think most of the time people come with sort of a, an idea. Another client who was like, oh, we want to do Scotland and we want to do London and we want to go for two weeks. Oh, and I think they said they wanted to do Paris too. I sort of helped shape them like, well, you know, you could actually have like a whole week in Paris that would cut down on your Scotland and your London. So maybe it's better to prioritize unless you guys are like super frenetically paced that you really want to hit all these places. That's to say, sometimes people come with a plan. Other times they're just like, Hey, I want to go on a trip with my family. We could do a safari or we could do a land itinerary, or we could even do a river cruise. So you tell me, you know, these are all, these are the ages. These are the things we're into. And, you know, what, what, what do you suggest? I, I think it really depends all ages, honestly, some solos, some couples, some families, the level of travel expertise kind of varies. I have seen a lot of kind of first time international travelers or first time to a certain country travelers, but then also some that are a little bit more advanced in their traveling, but are Perhaps like, I just don't want to like think, I don't want to think too hard, you know, like come to me with some ideas because the research is overwhelming. The choices are overwhelming. You have like the industry knowledge. Just tell me what you got and, and give it to me. So it really kind of runs the gamut. And I know a lot of people listening are going to be hearing this and be like, well, you know, what's the difference then between a travel coach and a travel agent? What would you, how would you define that difference? You're right. There isn't really like a standard definition anywhere. For me, the main difference is that I am not really doing the booking. That's sort of the admin stuff. That's sort of like the making the itinerary all pretty and handing it to them in a packet and like saving all their files and all of that stuff. That takes an incredible amount of time. You know, back in the day when there really wasn't a lot of access to self-booking resources, people couldn't really self-book because there were certain systems that were only available to travel advisors and so on. That was the only way. But I think now that we have all these tools, we have all these like affiliate links, we have all these like referral links, 
I can just say, hey, here are all the links. You know, these are the things we talked about. Here are the links. You go ahead and do it. I don't have to do the admin stuff. I don't have to do any of your personal information. You control the booking. You control your personal data. I've still like assisted in your planning process. And I think the trade-off is, is that it's a little less work to be a travel coach and fewer details that you have to manage and control and you don't have to fully package everything up. I think that is a little bit of how people have evolved. You know, they want to have a little more control over their booking. They want to have a little more ownership of what they do. They want to feel maybe more of more empowered in their itinerary. And I think this is a good way to sort of come together and and talk about things and plan a trip as as partners versus sort of the relationship of like, you're my advisor and I'm your client, so you do this. So I find actually the relationship to be much more collaborative. I really love that about the people that I work with. I mentioned this in my TED talk. There's a study that showed that actually the highest spike in happiness placed during the planning phase of a trip. And that's often something that I really believed that clients needed more control over. And that's what gravitated me towards the travel coaching industry as well is because travel agents have been known travel advisors have been known to just take complete control over the itinerary to make it a seamless stress-free. But then at the same time, as a travel expert, that puts the stress on you of your responsibility of the bookings, your responsibility on problem solving if things go wrong, because they now look to you because you took full control over their decisions. I love your approach to how you're like, well, I know I like to help with the planning of it. I like the empowerment side of it. I like the inspirational side of it. I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to show them and guide them on how they can take control over their actual planning phase. But yet I still benefit in a way in the sense of I have affiliate links. I share my favorite websites. I share all of these things with them. So it's a nice balance that you have there on how you structure your travel coaching business. But I saw on your website that you decided to partner with a travel agency. Can you give uh, some reasons and share more about that? That sort of happened kind of naturally. I had actually been acquainted with this travel agency. It's called Boutique Travel Advisors back when I lived in Arizona before I sold my house. Gone to a couple of travel events with them and just sort of made connection like, oh, you know, well, I'll just keep in touch and see if there's any um, opportunities in the future. Then when I quit my job, I started actually getting lots of messages on social media like, Julie, if you ever do a group trip, I'd love to come with you. I'd love to join you. And I thought, okay, who could help me do group trip? Let me, let me think about that. So I contacted the agency and I said, this is an opportunity I see. And actually it was them who came back and said, that sounds like a great opportunity. We have an opportunity for you to be a travel coach. And so it was actually them who introduced me to the idea of travel coaching. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, this sounds perfect and very mutually beneficial to the both of us. Obviously through the the agency, it's lead generation. So that helps me. It's credibility in the industry. So that helps me when I work with hotels or tour operators, I come to them and say, Hey, I'm a blogger. I'm social media personality. And I also have a travel agency backing me. So I'd love to attend. I'd love to visit. I love to, you know, experience your experience. It gives me sort of an added title underneath what I already have established in my niche. It has been like, has been great, you know, to kind of come into an established agency and work together with them. If I hadn't had that support, it probably would have been a lot harder for me to get going. 
Yeah, that makes total sense. And I love that. I'm a big believer in that you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. If there's something that you don't necessarily want to do in your business, you have no interest in actual doing the bookings or you're not a trained travel agent yourself, because that's a whole different process. Why not partner? Why not collaborate? Why not go and find? And it's the same thing, not only with travel agencies, but I tell the members of my TCN that think about this in the world of of retreats. Maybe it's the corporate space. There's so many different opportunities out there for you to bring what you do as a travel coach and just add value to what already exists out there instead of having to recreate all of it on your own, which is just so much more work and maybe something that you don't want to be doing as well too. I have dipped my toe into what it is to be a travel advisor. And now I I understand the differences and the workload uh, differentials. And so I'm like, okay, I'm really happy to be a travel coach. Maybe I'll fill in as needed, but I find that travel coaching is really more my speed. And then also too, it gives me an opportunity to just be in front of a different audience. I'm exposing BTA to my followers, but also BTA is exposing me to their their followers and already established clientele. That's been super rewarding um, for us both. Yeah, I can see that the benefit in both of those. Uh, When it comes to your sessions, your travel coaching sessions, this is a question that I know a lot of travel business owners have an issue with, uh, struggle with, I should say, is that it's pricing yourself. How did you figure out what to charge your clients? Did did you always have the same rate? Did it increase over time? Does it vary? Can you share more about that? I won't say what it is because I'm going to raise it soon. So you'll just, you guys can just visit my website to see what it is now. The pricing that I came up with was really on the advice of the agency. This is what we've seen from our clients. This is what the value is is of the workload. And so one of the things now that I've been doing this for about six months is, okay, it's actually, it's time to raise my rates because the feedback that I get from my clients are like, wow, you have saved me so much money and you've saved me so much time and you are well, well worth the little amount I paid for you. I'm going to take that feedback to heart, you know, and, and I'm going to adjust accordingly. You know, there's a benefit to... Obviously, if you're priced low, you can probably get more clients, but you want high value clients. You want high quality clients. You also want your effort to be rewarded because it is and your expertise to be rewarded. And, you know, I still kind of go back to when someone's like, oh, you know, that seems like kind of a lot. Okay, well, I have tons of information on my on my website for free and that's accessible to everybody. But when people have some kind of specialized questions or information that they need, information has value. And, you know, that's what we're moving towards in the world is we pay people for their expertise and their training and their professionalism, because that's just how the way of the world is. Yeah. Pricing is not always easy for business owners, but, you know, it's a journey. It's a process. You get feedback, you learn, you grow, you realize, you know, this is what I, how much time it takes me. This is what I know my, my expertise is worth. So thank you so so much for sharing all that. And talking about pricing, you would just mention that you're able to help your clients save tons of money. Can you give an example of a recent client that you helped save tons of money? I actually didn't even know this was possible (laughs) until I encountered it. I have a client who's going to Switzerland next month, you know, sent me like, I already made these reservations. I found the best price I could. And I always just say, send me your reservations because sometimes I have, you know, connections and relationships with these hotels 
we get extra amenities. If we maybe if we don't get cost savings, we at least can throw in a hundred dollar food and beverage or something along those lines. So she sent me all the reservations. I went ahead and did some digging. I did go above and beyond for this client. I don't always go to such such extremes and email every single hotel, but I ended up at the end of the day not only getting her a hundred dollar food and beverage for each of these reservations. There was four. A total of two thousand dollars in savings even with her husband having like titanium Marriott rewards, that was like, wow, I saved you $2,000. And then, so she's looking at that and she's like, and how much are you costing you? What you saved me and what you cost. I mean, it, it was absolutely worth it for her. And so she's like, I'm telling all my friends that they need to hire you as their travel coach. And, you know, this might be sort of like one end of the spectrum situation. But I think there is sort of this global myth that maybe a travel advisor is not necessarily going to save you money or a travel coach is not necessarily going to save you money because they're taking commission. Maybe that's an inflation of the price, but that's not the case. That's really not the, I mean, maybe there's some situations where it might, but a lot of times we do save people money or they get added amenities and benefits booking through someone that has these relationships and is part of the consortium. So aha moment for me. Like I can, cannot believe I saved this amount of money for my client with actually added amenities. So I think that's sort of just a myth. I want to break. I want to shout from the rooftops. Like you might think a travel advisor is going to cost you money or a travel coach is going to cost you money, but a lot of times you're going to find great savings. And I think that's important to emphasize. Yeah. I love that. Wow. That's a lot of money. And I'm sure it wasn't even close, you know, to what the value that you're able to provide obviously is what helped them save so much money. And word of mouth is essential to growing your brand and growing your business. So I'm sure that you're getting tons of leads coming your way because of being able to help save your clients so much money and also going above and beyond. Sometimes it's those small things that really makes a big difference. So I love hearing that. You mentioned showing up on social media. You have a great social media following um, and social media is obviously very very important for anyone in the travel industry because it's very visual and it's very selling the, the dream life and those dream trips. Can you provide any tips or advice to our listeners on how to show up authentically, but yet strategically on social media, in particular, maybe Instagram? I think with all social media, it's a combination of three things. And you sort of do need to kind of flex and bend within these three things to be authentic, to remain authentic, and to reach people you want to reach, and to keep the social networks happy, right? So I think one, what do people want to hear? What do people need to know? Creating the content that people are going to, are looking for, and they're maybe going to resonate with. What kind of formatting do the social networks like? Are they going to push in the algorithm, play within the guidelines and the guardrails that the networks have given you? And then three is like, what do you want to say? What do you care about? definitely had people kind of look at me and be like, you know, when you talk about that, you'd probably be a lot more successful if you didn't talk about that. You know, you'd probably be a lot more successful or have a lot more followers if you were, you know, focused on such and such. I kind of like giggle at that just a little bit because, hey, I matter too. Like what I have to say, what I want people to know matters to me, you know, like this is my social channel. <laughs> this is what matters to me. So I think there are people following me because they want my POV. They want to hear the things that I want to say that are maybe not going to connect with everybody, but that's important to me. So I think authenticity is something that you 
want to prioritize, then yes, you have to be your true self. You have to talk about the things that matter to you. The people that will matter to you will show up and follow you. Those are sort of like my pillars that I kind of surround myself around. Like, okay, how can I make the social networks happy? And that's something I'm mindful of. And then I think the other thing that I would say to people who want to start a blog or a social channel is if you do it to like try to get famous or try to have a bunch of followers or try to make a bunch of money, you're going to get disappointed real fast. But if you do it because there's something that you need to say that other people want to hear, brings you fulfillment, and you are passionate about inspiring and empowering people and being creative and sharing your own perspectives, then you're in it for the right reasons. So keep going. Yeah, I definitely agree with all of that. Yeah, social media can be a tricky thing. It can be overwhelming. It can be intimidating. There's just so much going on online. There's a lot of noise out there telling people what they should and shouldn't be posting. But just like you said, if you want to grow a brand that's authentic to yourself, you have to be yourself. Find the platforms and and show up in a way that it's going to attract your ideal audience. And they will come once you stay focused on what your core messages are and not try to conform to what you feel like others want to hear or what others are doing as well too. Because why would you want to fit in, mm-hmm. especially in a saturated industry like the tourist travel industry? Be yourself and that's honestly the easiest way to have quicker path to success, whether that's financially, personally, fulfillment in your business as well too. Before we wrap it up here, I want to hear though about your upcoming trips that you have. I'm super excited about this. My next upcoming, well, my first and the, the next one coming up is Oaxaca, Mexico for Day of the Dead. So it starts October 28th. And it's seven days. We are going to be experiencing the magical Mexican festival of Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos. It's a festival that really celebrates loved ones who have passed over. And that might sound like a depressing time, but it's not. People are very joyous and they celebrate life. It's a really, really important holiday in the Mexican tradition. So I'm so pumped for that. It's going to be really cool. And then all of the other magical things in Oaxaca with the archaeological zone, the natural herb del agua, mezcal and mole and all of deliciousness in the culinary scene there. So that is the first trip. Then my trip following that is going to be Patagonia in January. There are still a few spots left on both these trips. Third one, I'm still kind of planning and that's going to be in the spring. So stay tuned for that one. Wonderful. Where in Patagonia? On the Argentinian side. That one is nine days. And it includes like a night or two, I can't remember, in Buenos Aires. And then we fly down to Patagonia and, and hike and explore the villages, do a bunch of fun stuff there. So I'm really excited for that. I've been to Bariloche the, on the Argentinian side of Patagonia. Absolutely beautiful. I wish I had more time. It's like a whole another separate trip to go to Patagonia, different preparation. I mean, Argentina is a massive country and a whole another region in Patagonia. So Mm -hmm. that's going to be a really incredible trip. I can't wait to see photos of that. So where can everyone find uh, out more about your upcoming trips, find out about your travel coaching business? Where can they find and follow you? Easiest uh, way to get to me and all my socials is if you go to my website, it is juliedevivre.com. That is the French Devivre. Um, so it's J-U-L-I-E-D-E-V-I-V-R-E.com. On Instagram, it's at Julie B. Rose. You can get to all the socials from either of those places, a bunch of links and stuff on the navigation of my site to find all the information you need. 
I love it. I will be putting all of your links in the show notes. And my favorite question before we end here is, is there a fun fact about yourself? It doesn't have to be travel or business related that you can share with our audience. Okay. So I sing, you know, mostly karaoke, but also I sometimes sing in Mexico at like bars and restaurants and stuff. So actually a few months ago, a musician found me. We decided to team up and do some shows together. So we sang for four nights in Holbosch. It was awesome. You know, made a little money, got some tips, got to have a gig. You know, I'm like, I'm a musician, you know, I have a gig. Like someone's paying me for this. So that was just an amazing, like super fun new experience trying to fully incorporate a little bit of that into my travels as I as they move around the world. So if any musicians are listening to this podcast and they need a vocalist, also you can contact me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I can imagine how much fun that would be, especially in Mexico, especially in the the Torsi areas. Do you sing in Spanish? I don't unless I have it, the experience is different, you know, because when I sing in English, everything's memorized really well. I have the stage presence. When I sing in Spanish, I have to like look at the words and just try to not mess them up. It's not necessarily the experience people want. I might one day try to incorporate a Spanish song. One of my favorite singers is Selena Quintanilla. You always hear her music in Mexico and um, everything too, or like singers. I've been to yeah. places in Mexico and people are singing her songs. I just love her music so much. I grew up watching watching the movie and knowing about her because my grandmother was from Mexico. That sounds like so much fun. Well, Julie, thank you so much for being a guest on the TCN podcast today. It was really such a joy to connect and chat with you. Thank you so much, Sahara. I appreciate the opportunity and had so much fun with this conversation and just want to tell anyone listening, you know, if you have any questions about me, my DMs are open. Wonderful. Yes, everyone. Be sure to reach out to Julie. Again, her links will be in the show notes. And everyone, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Travel Coach Network. Learn more about us at thetravelcoachnetwork.com. Come give us a hello. We love to have you in our TCN global community on Facebook. You'll find the link for that and your free beginner's guide to travel coaching in the show notes as well. And if you know anyone who might be interested in travel coaching, please be sure to send them our way to our podcast. We truly appreciate it. And until next time, my fellow wanderers. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Travel Coach Network podcast. If you're brand new to the world of travel coaching, you must grab our free beginner's guide to travel coaching in the show notes. Then come share your takeaway from this episode in the Travel Coach Network global community. It's our free Facebook group for aspiring and thriving travel coaches. See you there.